chapter 6. And uh, I want to share just a few more thoughts on the subject of prayer, uh, since we've been focusing on that now for a number of weeks. And um, there are so many things the Bible has to say about praying. Of all the things that the disciples asked the Lord to teach them, it was prayer. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. Uh, I'm not saying that God didn't teach them how to go about leading someone to Christ or sharing the gospel with somebody or how to go out and uh, uh, tell somebody the gospel. I'm sure he spent uh, much time dealing with that. But uh, out of all the things that the disciples longed for in their life, they longed to know how to pray better. Uh, And so I want to share a couple of thoughts here with you. Prayer sometimes uh, we look at as an action that we perform. And the truth is, uh, there's numerous times in Scripture, several times at least, in Scripture where the Bible speaks along the lines of praying without ceasing or praying, uh, all, being always in prayer. And uh, I think if we're not careful, we'll misunderstand uh, and think, well, that just means that I'm uh, supposed to be saying prayers all day long in my mind. And it really isn't the fact that we're saying prayers so much as we are in the attitude of praying all the time. That, that every moment of the day, we are conscious of the presence of God in our life. That every moment we can say, Lord, you see the circumstance I'm in, and I need some help here. I need some guidance along the way. And that that attitude of praying, that, that inner spirit that uh, is, is in fellowship and communion with God, I believe is what these verses are dealing with when it says that we ought always to pray, and we ought always be praying, and pray without ceasing. Um, and not so much the action of the prayer, as much as the attitude or the spirit of the prayer. Uh, now, I certainly believe we've got to pray. I'm not saying don't do praying. But uh, I believe the continuous prayer that the Bible speaks of here is dealing with the inner attitudes towards prayer. Um, somebody said this. I was doing some reading this week. I, I should have wrote the author down on this one because I think it's great. But um, we're, uh, he said that uh, prayer must be the attitude and action in our daily battles. It must be the attitude and action in our daily battles. Look with me in Ephesians chapter number 6, and we're going to read down verse number 10 and down through about verse number 18 or so. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. That's a, that's a pretty powerful verse, if you ever stop. We read it usually in conjunction with all of the armor that the Lord gives us. But God has commanded us, and Paul is telling us here at the end of this letter, he tells the church at Ephesus, he says, finally, this is my last word to you, I'm going to wrap this letter up. He says, I want you to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. This was the desire of the Apostle Paul, that that the Christians in Ephesus be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. I I asked uh, an evangelist friend of mine, Bobby, uh, uh, Bobby Brown, was... Uh, down in our church uh, preaching. He's a good friend of our family for many years and uh, went home to be with the Lord several years ago. Just a tremendous fellow. He came to our church uh, one week preaching on a revival and, and having some revival services and preaching on the topic uh, of revival. And uh, I remember going out to eat with him one night. I asked him, I said, Brother Brown, I've been struggling with some things uh, in my own life. And I said, I, I've served the Lord. I've been, I'd been serving the Lord at that time a number of years in what we consider full-time Christian service. I was reading my Bible. I was praying. I was studying. I was putting forth the effort. But I felt like my prayer life and that, 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 that even my service 
was powerless. You ever felt that way? Uh, you're, you're going through the motion, you're doing the effort, you're putting forth the work, and it just seemed like God wasn't anywhere near it or in it. And um, I had done some reading, and I read uh, the passage in Scripture that the Bible spoke of when He uh, was getting ready to go up into heaven. Jesus told His disciples, right after the Great Commission that He gave them, telling them to go into all the world and preach the gospel and to baptize and to teach, He said, "...but tarry ye in Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high." And I began to think on that, and I thought, I wonder if, and this was the question that just weighed heavy on me, and I mean for, for weeks before he came, this, this thought came into my heart and into my mind, and I just could not get over it. And the question was this, are we out of God's will, doing God's work, God's way, with God's message, but without His power? And I believe the answer to that is Yes. Paul's desire for the church at Ephesus was that they were strong in the Lord, that they were serving in the power of His might, the power of His Spirit. And then he goes on to tell them, he's he's already explained to them that they're going to be uh, fighting this spiritual warfare that Satan's out to get them. He's, He's preached that to all these churches. And he tells them here, he says, put on the whole armor of God. Now listen, you've got to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. That's kind of first thing. Now I want you to put on the whole armor of God. And he goes through the whole list of them. We've read this before uh, in verse number 11. That she may be able to stand in the evil day. I stand against the wiles of the devil. I'm sorry. Now I want you to know something. That there are three things here that he tells us will help us to stand against the wiles of the devil. One of them is the whole armor of God. The other one is, I'm sorry, uh, the other one is being strong in the Lord. And the third one is in the power of His might. Having great confidence in God, having our faith in Him, depending on His power, and putting on the whole armor of God. This is what he says will help us to stand against the wiles of the devil. I'll be real honest with you. Uh, Last Wednesday night, there were some things, or last Wednesday during the day, there were some things that Satan was coming and really hurting. I, I say Satan was... Somehow, some, someone was trying to deal with some things and, and made my life just uh, tremendously burdened. And we can all think of times in our lives, can't we? Where Satan just was out to get us. Uh, there were things that just happened and, and that would cause us to, to doubt some things, maybe to have anxiety, to be lacking in our faith and our strength in the Lord. Have you ever gotten to the point where your faith was weak? I wonder oftentimes really how far our faith has to dwindle before we consider it being weak. Being able to to go through life without the power of God on our lives. Paul says, listen, you need to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might and put on the whole armor of God so that you can withstand, that you can stand. He says uh, that you may be able gives you the ability to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh, and, uh, against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore having your loins girded about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench 
some of the fiery darts of the wicked. Is that what your Bible says? Most of them. All of them. Is that what your Bible says? What happens when those fiery darts get past the shield? Could we say this, our faith was weak? Because the Bible tells us here that the shield of faith will stop all or quench all of the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, he goes through all this, telling us we need to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. He tells us to take on the whole armor of God that we can stand against the wiles of the devil. And then he says this, verse number 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication. Notice these words, in the Spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Prayer is the energy and the strength that allows us to fight the battle. While the armor of God will protect us and we are to wear it, we are to pray in order to have the might and the strength to fight the battle. That is the secret of the, of, of the strength of the Christian. It's amazing to me when we realize the power of prayer. And over and over and over in Scripture, we see the might and the power of prayer. It's amazing to me if we understand and we comprehend how powerful it is, why is it that we put so little emphasis on it? In our own personal lives, why is it that oftentimes that's the first area of our Christian life to begin slipping? Why is it that oftentimes we go through the motions of praying and we get into the routine and the ritual and the rut of praying, but we miss out on the power of it? The presence of God, the attitude of prayer, not the action of praying, but the inner man given to, it, given to crying out to God and saying, Oh Lord, I've got to have you. Notice here, it says in verse number 18, praying how often? Always. I said it just a few moments ago. I was trying to help you with some things. But always is not the idea of saying a prayer all the time, but in being in the attitude of prayer all the time. Walking every day in the presence of God, knowing that His presence is there. The Bible tells us that we are the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, the Bible says. Everywhere we go, everything we do, everything we see, everything we say, the Holy Spirit is inside of us, sees everything that we do. Now, we are to walk every day with that conscious thought that He is there with us. And we're to rest in the power that He can give us. It's amazing how often in my life I have caught myself serving the Lord and saying, Lord, I can do this. I'll roll my sleeves up. I mean, I'm a man. I can, I've got strength. I've got energy. Miss Penny talking about a minute ago being uh, after COVID, not having the energy, the strength, the stamina. And as we get older and as we get sickness and different things happen to us, we lose some of that strength. We lose some of that stamina. Can I tell you this? Our strength and our stamina will always fail us. It will always dwindle no matter what we do. But the, the power of the Holy Spirit, I've seen men that were sick, sick unto death that had the power of God on their lives and did a work for God. I've heard and seen of people that, that were uh, up in years and didn't have the physical stamina and the physical strength. They didn't have the sharpness of mind and the clarity of mind. How many of you, you can, your mind is sharper today than it was ten years ago? Any of you? 
it gets harder. You ever try to memorize something? When we went to camp, I'd memorize a hundred verses in a week. I can't memorize one in a hundred weeks, it seems like, anymore. Why? Because it dwindled. But can I tell you this, that when we work and function and labor in the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, then we're living in an attitude of prayer. We're living with that consciousness in mind that I can't do this, but the Holy Spirit can. We go out in public and, and we're timid about sharing the gospel with somebody. Well, certainly we're timid if we're trying to rely on what we can do and what we can say. Well, I, I've heard so many people say, well, Pastor, I just don't know what to say to somebody. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. He'll, he'll, he'll give you the words to say. He'll, he'll help recall the things from Scripture. It's amazing sometimes when I'm talking with somebody about the things of the Lord that uh, there will be something that I've never said to anybody else before that's just the thing that they needed to hear. You ever, you ever had that experience? The Holy Spirit will guide us and He'll help us in these things. But we've got to live in an attitude of prayer. We've got to live with the consciousness of His presence there every day. And so when He talks about praying always, He's not talking about saying prayers always. He's talking about living in the attitude of prayer. And then He says this, that we're to pray in the Spirit. Notice He says praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. What does it mean by in the Spirit? Uh, I'll tell you this. When I'm praying, there are times that God will bring someone or something into my heart and into my mind while I'm praying that I need to pray for. He brings to memory, doesn't He? He brings to memory that prayer request that somebody mentioned to you several weeks ago and asked you to pray for that you'd forgotten to write down. And He'll bring it to mind. If we pray in the Spirit, God helps us to recall those things. If we pray in the Spirit, we will remember portions of Scripture that will help guide us to answers to our prayers. You ever ask God for wisdom or direction in something and a verse pop in your mind and you think, well, that decision is just made. Why? Because we're praying and allowing the Holy Spirit to do things. There are times that when we're praying and, and our faith is a little weaker than it should be, and we've all been there. I know we have. We've all been there where we pray for something and we think, man, that's just too big. That's just too, too huge of a problem. Cancer comes into your family. You begin to pray, but you don't really expect it. I don't really expect God to answer this one. It's, it's, this is a big one here. There are times when we pray, if we're praying in the Spirit, that God will bring to mind the things that God has done in the past in our life that were supernatural, that were of Him. And it will help to strengthen our faith in prayer. The Bible says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It's got to be effectual. It's got to be fervent. And with that, there has to be some faith involved in it. There's times I'll be praying and I'll think, boy, this is huge. I don't know if God can do this. And, and I know we don't come out and say it in those words, but in our hearts we're, we're thinking it or we're feeling that. We start to pray in the Spirit and all of a sudden something comes to mind. Boy, I remember back when God did this. What an amazing thing. What an amazing thing. I've shared with you all before some, some things that were just unbelievable in, in my past that God uh, did for, for me to answer prayers. 
And I shared a few weeks ago, several weeks ago, I don't share it very often because it's such a very difficult thing for me to talk about, um, about when I was getting ready to graduate from college and uh, wanting to start a, a home, a shelter for some teenagers there in downtown Jacksonville, Florida. And how God just literally hit me over the head and basically said, this is what I want you to do. And how, how distinct and how clear it was. I'll tell you this, when I pray for God to, to give me guidance and to lead me in some ways, I remember that time. And it helps me to trust Him that He'll guide me today. Years ago when I was a youth pastor, we had a, had a great revival in our youth group. We really did for, for a couple of years. Um, our young people just were on fire for the Lord. They, they couldn't get enough of telling other people about the Lord. I'm talking about going to, to, to activities and they were more excited about getting to the devotion time after the activity and having a time of praying together than they were about the activity. And as a youth pastor, you pray for those types of young people, you know. Usually you want to pull the rest of your hair out with them. And, uh, but we went through almost two years of that. And uh, God was blessing. We went to camp that summer. And uh, we went to a youth conference. And God did a work. Oh, my, did He do a work. What a sweet, sweet year that was. And... I mean, there wasn't hardly a service. that There wasn't ever one of those teenagers. We probably had 15, 18 teenagers that every service, it seemed like they were down there at the altars weeping. Some of them going down with friends that they had met there at the youth conference and praying with them about decisions that God had laid on their hearts. What a joy to see. And on the way home, they were talking on the bus and singing songs and just praising the Lord. And I mean... We had about an 18-hour drive anywhere from South Florida. is about an 18-hour drive to get anywhere. And we had a long drive on a hot bus, and they're singing and praising the Lord and excited. And, and I tried to, as a youth pastor, I said, Now listen, don't get home and, and, and uh, let everything dwindle in just a wet blanket. And they said, Brother Greg, we want to we do something where we can reach young people in our community. We've got friends of ours that are neighbors in our neighborhood that go to public schools and don't go to church, and they're not church. We've got bus kids that we bring in every week and teenagers that come and ride those buses that they're not saved and they're from bad homes and different things. They said, wouldn't it be nice if we had something every week that we could bring all these young people to that they would enjoy and they could hear the gospel preached? And they said, wouldn't it be nice? And we had a place in our gym. Uh, we had a big gymnasium there. We had a place on one end of it, uh, up above the cafeteria area, that was a large room about about the size of our auditorium here in length and maybe uh, about a two-thirds of width. And we called it the Teen Center because years ago when it had been built, that's what they used it for. Teenagers would go up there for activities on, on things, and they had some games and things up there they could play. And it had been in disrepair, and it was a room that was the ceiling was falling down out of it, and they had a bunch of storage up there. And they said, could we, uh, could we ask the pastor if we could have that room and make it a teen center again so we can invite our friends and have them come? And so I said, well, I'll ask him. And, and so we did. And uh, my dad said we could use the room, but he said we don't have any, any money in the budget. And we were a poor church even back then. And uh, he said we don't have any money in the budget. Uh, so, you know, whatever you guys do to fix it up, you're going to have to do yourselves. So I went and told the young people that, and we began to pray. I told the young people, I said, we don't have any money. And I said, I'm looking around at you guys, and I can tell we don't have any money. <laughs> you all certainly don't have any. I said, we're going to have to pray. 
So we rolled up our sleeves that week, and we went up and began working on it, cleaning it up and vacuuming it. And uh, we began to pray. And uh, I remember the first time we prayed, we had uh, asked the Lord to give us some paint to paint the walls with. And um, we were we were in, uh, I think it was in Lowe's, it might have been Lowe's, I think it was, one of the home improvement places. And uh, happened to walk in, and they had some five-gallon pails of paint that were like an eggshell white. And uh, they regularly like 120 some dollars, and they were closing them out, and they had discounted them, and they were like 10 or 12 dollars a pail, something. It was just unbelievably cheap. But I didn't have 10 or 12 dollars a pail, and so I, I went to the, the manager. And I told him what we were doing. And I said, uh, I said, you know, are you guys closing this out, or what can you do on these on these pails? And he said, well, what are you using it for? And I, I explained to him the teen center room and what we were doing, and. Uh, he said, you can have them. I mean, I don't know how, a couple hundred dollars worth of, worth of things. And um, so we came back, and I brought those pails upstairs. The kids are working clean, and their eyes got real big, you know, thinking, boy, that was pretty amazing, you know. We prayed for that. And then we began to pray. There was a, a little snack shop area. It needed some flooring, and so we, we prayed for some little uh, tiles, little peel-and-stick tiles that you buy. And we peeled up the old floor and just prayed and said, Lord, we don't know what we're going to put down, but we're going to, it's your problem now. You're going to put something down. And we were, in that, we were in the Sunday school room that Sunday before, and I said, guys, we need something for the floor. I said, we need to pray. Let's ask the Lord to meet a need. And so that week, somebody came up to us, and I think it was on the Wednesday night service, and handed us $20 to use towards the teen center. And I said, well, these, these little squares were a dollar piece. I said, we can get 20 of them. We needed about 200. <laughs> and uh, so I went down, and I got the 20. And it's almost like the five loaves and fishes. Uh, we, we were up there that night, and we were putting the uh, tiles down, uh, just the 20 of them. And I'm down there on my hands and knees sweating, and a couple boys are helping me, and we're getting them all squared up and lined up. And the fellow walks upstairs, and he sees what we're doing. And he said, oh, you're putting new flooring in. Oh, that looks nice. And I said, yeah. I said, we're only going to do it right here. He said, why is that? I said, because that's all we got. <laughs> and he reached in his wallet and pulled out some money, and he said, go get the rest of it. I'm going to tell you something. These young people learn to pray and see God meet a need. And you say, well, those are, just, those are just silly things. You know, those are just material things. But God knew the heart of these young people. I mean, they were on fire for Him. They were, they were so excited about winning people to Christ. It was during the time that we were working on this that there was one night we were going out soul winning and uh, talking to folks about the Lord. And uh, a large number of our teenagers had to be at another school activity that they had that night. And we only had five teenagers show up for visitation that night. They said, well, Brother Greg, we can stay here and just pray if you want. And I said, no, let's, let's just go out and we'll see what the, Lord, what the Lord will do. So we spent 20 or 30 minutes praying before we went. And then we got in the, in the coach and we went out. And uh, there were a number of young people outside on the streets. It was about dusk time. I began to drop our young people off in pairs to talk to these kids that were on the side of these teenagers on the side of the road. In about an hour and a half, they all got back on the bus and they had cards, and names, and addresses, and phone numbers of these folks. And five young people had led 25 people to the Lord that night. God did a work. We were almost ready for opening the teen center up. 
and they wanted to put a couple games upstairs. There's a young man that we had uh, led to the Lord uh, one Saturday. We we had prayed that Sunday before that God would uh, give us a uh, foosball table to play a game. And uh, we had led a young man to the Lord uh, that Saturday following. And um, on Sunday, I went to go pick him up, bring him to Sunday school. And one of the teenagers had, had led him to the Lord. And so I went and turned the corner down his road on that Sunday morning, getting ready for Sunday school in the van. And when I turned the corner, there sitting on the side of the road in a trash pile was a foosball table with all the legs and hardware and nuts and bolts and everything in a Ziploc baggie. Who, who Ziploc baggies their nuts and bolts when they're throwing something away? I went down to pick up this kid, and I said, Hey, do you mind helping me load something in the back of the van? He said, No, not at all. And we went down the end of the road, and he helps me throw this thing in the back of the van. Our teenagers were waiting at the church for him when he got back to greet him, and we pulled in, this thing sticking out the back of the van, and their eyes got big. They would just prayed for it the week before. And here's the answer right before their eyes. I told the kid what had happened, and he was, he was pretty amazed by that. So that Sunday, we said, well, we got our foosball table. Uh, let's pray for something else. What else do you want? And they said, well, let's pray for a bumper pool table. And that was on that Sunday. And so the next week, we went and uh, I went to go pick up this. Uh, we went visiting and went to visit this kid that we had wanted the Lord two weeks before. And he had some friends that he wanted us to talk to. And so we talked to his friends, and I think maybe one of his friends got, got saved that day. And but while we were when we were leaving his house, we went around the block to see if there were any more kids. And there's a garage sale, and laying in the front yard of this garage sale is a bumper pool table. And I said to the kids, "Jump out there and ask them how much they want for it." And they jumped out and went over and came back to the van. They said, "Brother Greg, they're throwing it away." But they said somebody just came by and said they wanted it, so they've already given it away. And you know, the flesh side of me thought, if we hadn't been visiting, you know, and. Uh, I thought, well, guys, God is good anyway, isn't he? And so we went back and, and finished. And Sunday morning, I went to go pick this kid up again, second week in a row now. And after I picked him up, I said, hey, do you mind if we drive down the street? I just want to see if, if anybody had picked that table up. And so we drove down there <coughs> about 9.30 on a Sunday morning. And sure enough, that thing's still laying in the front yard. And so I went up to the front door, knocked on the door, woke this person up, got him out of bed. They came to the door. They didn't even open the door. I said, they said, what do you want? I said, I'm Greg from the church. We stopped by yesterday to ask about that bumper pool table. And they said, just take it. <laughs> so, second week, this kid's been saved. He's seen people pray for things. He helps me load this thing in the back of the van. He, he got back in the van. He said, this being saved is great, he said. <laughs> We're getting ready to open up the... There's so many more things I could tell you on that. and For sake of time, I can't go into all of them. But one thing after another, I mean, I could give you dozens of answers to prayer in that particular situation. One of the most amazing to me was just a couple nights before we were to open, we were doing just some trim, some finish-up, touch-up painting up by the drop ceiling. And there was a tile that was pushed up and a little bit out of the way. And I told, I can still remember the kid who did it. His name is Tim Burke. He was up on a ladder painting. And I said, hey, Tim, reach up there and push that tile back and drop it in there. And so he, we had everything that we needed for the games that we had gotten for free, uh, except pool cues. We couldn't find any pool cues for the bumper pool table. 
And I told them to pray, look around their garages, couldn't find one, couldn't find one. We'd called all over town, couldn't find any. Some were in the sporting goods store for $200 or something like that. And we were like, we can't do that. And that was the last thing we were praying for that Sunday before. And he, reached, he pushes that ceiling tile and he said, Brother Greg, there's something on top of this ceiling tile. I said, well, move it out of the way and drop that tile in. So he pushes the tile out of the way and he reaches in as far as his arm can go. And he pulls out four pool cues out of the ceiling. These kids would pray and God would answer. He said, oh, that's all for games. That was all for games, Brother Greg. We started that teen center, and there was not one week that went by, not one, over the next year or so, that while we were out playing volleyball with a few of them, or playing basketball with a few of them, or meeting upstairs with some of them, that I did not see one of our teenagers, at least one, sometimes two or three of them, taking a kid that was visiting that night over to the bleachers with their Bible sharing the gospel with them. I don't know how many young people, we should have kept count that year, but I don't know how many young people trusted Christ as their Savior. Because those young people wanted a place that they could reach their lost friends. And they prayed for it, and God answered their prayers. It got so amazing that those kids would have been shocked if God hadn't answered their prayers. To this day, those kids, most all of them, are still in full-time Christian service serving the Lord, either as pastors, pastors' wives, youth pastors. I get, I get notes and, and uh, stay in contact with most all of them. They always talk about those days. They've gone through some trials in their ministries today that they serve in. Some of them have been in some really dark valleys. And they said one of the things that helps them is to remember back to the time when God did something extraordinary and supernatural in their lives. When we pray in the Spirit, God has a way of recalling the things that He's done in the past to help us trust Him for what we're going through right now. We need to learn to pray in the Spirit. And then He says this in verse 18, And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. You know how many times Jesus, even in His ministry, said, I want you to watch and pray? Look with me, if you will, in Mark chapter number 13. Mark chapter number 13. We'll look in verse number 33. Jesus is speaking here. He says, Take ye heed, watch and pray. For ye know not when the time is, for the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants to every man his work, and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore. For ye know not when the master of the house cometh, at even or at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning. Because we see that Christ is coming soon, and we don't know when it is, our instructions that not only Paul gave, but the Lord Jesus Christ gave to his disciples... We're to watch and pray. Watch and pray. I think it would be a travesty if the Lord would return and we were so lulled into complacency and spiritual apathy that we were not vigilant 
and we were not fervent in prayer. We need to learn to watch and pray. Jesus, when He was in the Garden of Gethsemane, He took some of His disciples, three of them, a little further into the garden. He told them to stay there and to watch while He went further and prayed. And He prayed for a while and He came back. And He told them, He said, I wanted you to watch and pray. And He found them sleeping. And His rebuke to them was, What, could you not watch with me one hour? I've read that passage a lot of times, and I thought, boy, those disciples, what kind of disciples were they? I mean, Christ is near death. This is an important event in the history of man. This is an important event in the history of eternity. And here these disciples are sleeping, and I've often been critical of them in my heart and in my mind, but I believe that the Lord put that there to teach us something. There is an eternity in view that you and I have to live each and every day with on our hearts and on our minds. And the instructions that we've been given are to watch and pray. And when the Lord returns, I don't want Him to come and find me asleep. I don't want Him to say, what, could you not watch with me one hour? I want to have a prayer life. Let me rephrase that. I want to have a life of prayer where my attitude is for prayer. Where I live consciously with the presence of God on my heart and on my mind. I love this comment. I've used it before in this church of Charles Spurgeon when his friends said, we never knew when he was speaking to us and when he was speaking to God. That, My friends, that's the attitude of prayer. That's living in such a way that God's presence is right there all the time. And we live knowing that at any moment we can speak to Him. Our hearts can cry out to Him. I believe that we fail and we we fail miserably many times in the day that we live to have the power of the Holy Spirit resting upon us to do and accomplish the work that He's given us to do. And the question remains, are we out of God's will doing God's work, God's way, with God's message, but without His power. We've been within several months now praying on Wednesday nights, dividing up and pouring our hearts out. Lord, send us revival. Give, give Your Holy Spirit's power to my life, to my ministry, to the things that I serve You with. Do we have God's power in our lives? Do we come to Him in prayer? Do we bathe our lives in an attitude of praying? Is it the strength that we must have? Prayer is the energy and the strength that allows us to fight the battles every day of our lives. And while we put on the armor of God, can I tell you this, we need to pray so that we can be energized and have the strength and the might and the power be able to overcome the wiles of the devil and to do the work that God's called us to do. And I hope that will be a help and encouragement to us tonight. Let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful for Your Word. We're thankful for how it teaches and instructs and guides us. May we commit together in our hearts, Lord, not just as a church, but even individually, may we commit ourselves to You and have a renewed desire, renewed commitment of praying 
Lord, not just outwardly, not just going through the motions. Father, I want a heart, an attitude. I want to have a spirit of prayer. I want there to be a continuous acknowledgement and knowing of the presence of Your Holy Spirit in my life as I walk through it day by day, to know that He is ever-present and ever-near. That we would live consciously with eternity in view. That we would be watchful looking for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ and that our actions would be dictated based upon the importance that we put about Your return. Lord, we believe it to be very, very soon. And Lord, if that's the case, then a lot of actions in my life and a lot of actions in the life of other Christians need to, need to be reprioritized. They need to be changed. And so, Father, help direct and guide us in these things. May we have an attitude of praying. May we have a spirit of prayer so that we can always be in prayer. That we can continue steadfastly in prayer. That Your, your work and Your will could be accomplished. Dismiss us now, please, with Your blessings. Help us to take the message in our hearts. Lord, help us not to soon forget it, but that we'll keep and recall it and meditate upon it. Dismiss us now with your blessings, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.